Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. One of the most famous and currently popular Einstein quotes is that we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. And like any good quote, it not only means something, but it also makes you think. And of course, in a mind-centered world, if there is such a thing, then mind is necessarily the focus. And to master the world, we will need to master your mind, as my guest today, Diane Collins, talks about. Now, Diane has been ahead of the curve on this topic for quite a while with her idea of quantum think which is about getting our thinking to match the advances in the quantum world, forcing our minds to catch up to the reality. I'm happy to say that Diane was one of my first guests on this show, and I originally uh, found her because I was really uh, inspired by her book, Do You Quantum Think? And ever since then, I think Diane again has been leading the charge in trying to get people to open their minds to new ways of thinking. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Philip. I love being in conversation with you and everyone listening with us. Well, again, your your book, Quantum Think, I think, or Do You Quantum Think, it really set a tone for trying to get our minds uh, sort of attuned to the new world order. But just like you say in your book, I think it's important right now in the beginning here to try to set some context for those who have not either read your book or or maybe unfamiliar with quantum theory. And so I think in the beginning here, let's just talk from an overview standpoint. What is quantum theory and what does it tell us about the world we live in? I think that most of your listeners, I would I would imagine, you can let me know, but I think that even if you're not uh, familiar with quantum principles or with that, you know, now become a buzzword quantum, that you realize that we're undergoing a dramatic, rapid shift in the way that we relate to our systems and structures on a collective basis and, you know, on a personal basis, on a business basis, that we're all looking as the world is changing uh, in great part by way of quantum technology that makes these kind of shows pop, uh, possible, that we are stepping back and looking and, you know, reassessing, evaluating for ourselves even, you know, what do I really want to be doing now? What's my purpose? Uh, how do I deal with the simultaneous uh, breaking down of the old uh, way that life has been and, you know, it's pulling up 
everything that's kind of not working, the unworkability of it. And at the same time, we know there are conversations such as yours and the ones that we're in where we are looking to elevate our awareness, awaken our thinking, and really come to some methodologies and come to some new basis for thinking that will enable us to, as you know, you referenced the Einstein quote, some new thinking that will have us be able to come to real solutions, to viable solutions to the what has almost become institutionalized, but from a quantum worldview, we're no, they're not. That is war, poverty, uh, you know, divisiveness, all of these different, uh, we could call, ills of society that the old way of thinking, well, let me just go into that, but all of that we know from a quantum worldview is not fixed. How do we know that? Because reality is not fixed. So the great shift, if you look at it in terms of science, has been from this Newtonian worldview, it's sometimes called uh, mechanistic worldview, scientific materialism, where the main point being only matter is real, or, you know, what we glean with the ordinary five senses in the physical domain of life. When you're looking there, we look different, we look separate, we look separate from what we would call the external reality, the everyday objects that we live in. And the shift has been the updated knowledge from a quantum worldview is that, well, as you said, well, wait a minute, matter is not the basis of reality. Mind is consciousness, both collectively and individually, we could say. So when you make that shift in what we know at the edge of knowledge today, which mostly comes from quantum physicist discoveries and experimentation to make that discovery that, wait a minute, there are distinctions, but no actual separation between ourselves, between our own mind, our own consciousness, our own thoughts, and the reality as the way it's showing up, that since there is no separation, it's like, wow, that puts us in a whole different worldview. So to get to what my work is about, you know, you start to look well, let me just say what that is, because the the characteristics of the Newtonian worldview, I refer to it as the industrial worldview, technically called classical mechanical worldview, gave rise that thinking as a basis for thinking, as a system of assumptions and beliefs about the nature of reality and how it worked, gave rise to machines, the age of machines, whereas today we look at the quantum reality, this, you know, paradoxical, you know, everything exists as a possibility until an observer, you know, observes it into existence, you know, the, the language of science, I'm not a scientist, but, you know, collapsing the wave-like nature of reality into a particle into it becoming manifest, 
with we play a significant, maybe the significant role in it as human observers. So when you look at this and you realize that Einstein said, well, we need new thinking to, to solve the problems that we created with the past-based level of thinking. Well, new thinking is not just a new or a clever idea. It's not just an innovative idea. New thinking is a new basis for thinking. This is a fundamental shift in the set of beliefs, ideas, assumptions, knowledge that shapes our thinking. So quantum think is a system of thinking. Now I know, you know, you've talked to Bruce, Dr. Bruce Lipton, cellular biologist, who does talk about, well, when if physics, which studies the basic nature of reality, when the physics shifts, and that's what we're talking about there, what's the nature of reality? Oh, it's machine-like. Oh, no, no, no. Well, it's somewhat machine-like in one small limited dimension, if you're looking, but in the larger dimension, it's not machine-like at all, right? It's quantum-like. Things move backward and forward through times. We, it's, a, it's really a reality of connectivity, like the Internet, the perfect metaphor for it. Where does the infinite... What's the Internet? The infinite mind of humanity. All of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the sublime. Where does it exist? It doesn't exist in ordinary space, time, and matter. So it's beyond those limits. So when you look at what is the nature of reality, mind, well, mind exists in that way, 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 you know, what is this kind of reality? So when I was getting to Bruce Lipton, he says, well, when the, when the basis of all other sciences, which is physics, which says, here's the nature of reality and how it works, when that shifts, then every other science has to start to look at itself in terms of that new knowledge. So what I do is I look at this. Well, if our predominant habits of thinking, the way that we habitually think and relate to reality, also exists as a system, and the thinking system is shaped by the prevailing worldview. So the dilemma we have today, we're in a quantum age, but we're thinking is still very much conditioned by the old worldview, and particularly our institutions, which we could talk about. But just to finish this up, that if you, it's like this, it's important to be able to also shift the thinking system, the basis, the framework, the set of ideas from which you think. What shapes our thinking? If thinking creates reality, what creates thinking? Yeah, okay. And that is what I came to. Well, that, I think that's. I think that is. Uh, obviously, you said a lot there. And I want. I want to. I want to put some. I want to focus on a couple things because. I think this is very important for the listener because we're really talking here about starting fresh with a new paradigm that is better aligned with, with the way the world truly works. I think one of the problems 
that that the quote-unquote New Age movement has had, and you could say the same thing about the religious movement, is that it's operated within or partly within the mechanistic framework. And so there's been a disconnect. It has the, 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 the intentions, the uh, positive thinking, the high thoughts, aspirations. Those New Age concepts are still struggling f- to adapt to a worldview or a mindset that I think is still controlled mostly by the mechanistic mindset. And, and, and so what we need, and I think this is where this is heading, is I've always thought we needed a new metaphysics for the new world. And I think that what you just said is really, and what, you, and what you've said over the, over the years, is that in the quantum world, there are no absolutes. There are no fixed barriers. The sky really is the limit. And, and so to me, this, there's this gradual development where we move beyond these fixed constructs, these absolutes, as you point out, you know, stop being a victim of circumstances and control your circumstances. And, and this is not only, and this is, this is the main point, this is not just a happy thought. This is the way the world really is. That's Exactly. And, you know, the interesting thing, is, and I want to get to that, that thing about what you're saying about the New Age uh, dilemma, but, of course, we know, and your show is, you know, conversations beyond science and religion, and including them, right? Right. Is that the, the uh, ancient wisdom, Vedanta, and we could name several others, even in the uh, Christian and Judaic Bibles, where they, but particularly in Vedanta and uh, Buddhism, which are, you know, very closely aligned, but where you look at this, where they intuitively came to, their intuitive, you know, that direct apprehension of knowledge by putting a focus on what is the nature of reality, they came to that, we could say, they were scientists of consciousness, what we would call the spiritual wisdom, the spiritual masters. So what we're seeing today is this convergence again, you know, because everything was always one, but then for the sake of being able to discern and create distinctions so that we could work in life better, there was, and for whatever other political reasons, this, this uh, division between uh, spirituality and or religion and science, where we know that today that's coming together and the beauty of quantum science is that it is now proving experimentally over the past hundred years the wisdom of that spiritual science of consciousness where consciousness is the ground of being okay so that's a little lofty but let's bring it uh, as I like to say go out to the universe and then come back home because here's the dilemma of today, and as you're saying, Philip, we're still very much, even any of us who are seekers, who are investigating at this level, uh, who know some of these principles, we're still 
until you make this distinction of thinking as a system of principles, and that's what quantum think is in, you know, in the book, Do You Quantum Think? It's at all there. A system of 21 principles that's where, where I'm basically distinguishing the nature of the quantum reality and how it merges with spirituality. And the most important part, making it practical in modern, everyday culture. And here's the dilemma, as I was saying. You cannot see a new worldview, this emerging quantum worldview. You cannot think and live from a new worldview from the current perspective, from the more limited, limiting set of assumptions and framework for thinking, which I lovingly call the old worldview, the industrial age worldview. So what's, what do you do? Well, wait a minute. You cannot see a new worldview from the perspective of an old worldview. Well, how do, then how do you do it? You take a literal quantum leap in consciousness. Now, we take these quantum leaps all the time, but they're not consciously directed. But I like to use the analogy that usually we're in our, we relate to ourselves as in our body, like we think of ourselves as having a mind in a body, and we're looking out at the earth, and we're looking up at the sky and at the rest of the cosmos. Now, in one nanosecond, Shift that around. Imagine yourself out in the cosmos looking back at the earth, looking back at yourself on the earth. That is what I mean by a a quantum leap in consciousness. It's a shift in the framework from which you're looking and living. So this is the, the importance of this is that If you try to use, for example, what is the dynamic of creation that we have been divinely bestowed with by human birthright? The dynamic of intent. I call this, I like to refer to what I'm talking about as there are at least five natural faculties of mind that we don't learn in traditional education because traditional education is uh, brought up, it's actually derived from the industrial age worldview, which said only matter is real. So what do we study in school? We study the brain. Maybe we study brain connections. But we're not studying the five natural faculties, intent, intuition, subtle energy, resonance, and meditation, which I consider a a faculty of mind, not just a practice. So when you look at intent, for example, this refers to the new age thing. And you realize, well, the old world view, it was that mechanical, what was the dynamic of it? How do you get something to happen? It was a world of solid and fixed objects, which we know there is no, that's totally inaccurate, right? Right, right, (laughs) It's mostly empty space and just, you know, energy in a particular spin or frequency. There's nothing solid about it, even though we perceive it that way for the purpose of living, I guess, in the world. But here you go. So that, but I look at, well, how did that map on to our thinking? Is that, and then the dynamic is cause and effect. Push or pull on that object, 
and that moves, or that part and that moves. So I think, Philip, what happens is that, and this is all subtle. I mean, this is like, you know, as they say, fish to the water. You know, well, you don't yeah, really I, even know anything yeah, else. Yeah, I think, when, I think a lot of it, I think the word subliminal comes comes to my mind. I mean, it's 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 something that's operating behind the scenes. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm happy to be speaking with Diane Collins, the author of Do You Quantum Think? And right now we are we are breaking apart some of the elements to this concept of, of quantum thinking and trying to figure out how we get to this new worldview towards using the five natural faculties of the mind. And Diana interrupted you there a little bit because I wanted to um, sort of uh, introduce introduce you again. But we are talking here about something that is extremely important, and that is, that is uh, something I want to underscore here because the this notion of taking a quantum leap in thinking is so important because because it, it seems to me it, it, it's actually a pretty simple concept uh, wrapped with some mystery. I mean, for example, a lot of the example I would use is you may have an old car and you continue to put new tires on it. It rusts away and you repaint it and you put a new engine in it and you and then and then you put all new parts and you sort of like just jiggle it together so it runs down the road. At some point you got to take that car to the junkyard and start all over again. And maybe maybe the next car will be a hovermobile or a hybrid electric car or something. But really, I, I read or interpret your quantum leap as being start all over, wipe it all away. Don't make compromises to that old way of thinking. Take, well, that, take, take that leap and, and, and stand up on a new platform. So that that's the way I that's the way I read well, it. Well, it's a good way of thinking of it in terms of you know when you get and this is, happens in such ordinary ways. I always marvel like why didn't I get that new whatever gadget in my house before? Right. Because what happens is you get that new car and all of a sudden your whole reality shifted. Yeah. Everything shifted with it because of fields, and so from that point of view, yes, but from Another point of view, it's a both-and, Philip, because we're not throwing out the way that the mechanistic world has shaped our thinking, because we did learn, I, I would say more, it's an expansion. Okay. But you, the reason that we distinguish these models of thinking is so we can use them more effectively, that we have that level of awareness with it, you know, for example, the old world view, which was an analytical model. So it taught us to observe data, categorize data, um, you know, make conclusions about the data. So it really did give rise to specialization, the discipline of the sciences. It taught us, as you say, subliminally to think analytically, to use an ordinary logic. You and I are philosophers, right? Yeah, we, yeah. we grew up in philosophy, so we understand that that is one of the things you learn in philosophy is that kind of analytical, what we call rational logic, except the quantum reality doesn't work that way. So it's not like you're throwing out one for another. 
what you're doing is you're, you're seeing the limits of how the industrial age has shaped the way we think, you know, that we have to have, you know, we have to push or pull on circumstances to get something to happen, or circumstances appear fixed, there's nothing we can do about it, as you said, except become a victim of it, or try to manipulate our way around, or ignore it, or somehow, which doesn't work. Or uh, linear, you know, the, the, all the how-to comes from that, how to be enlightened in 10 steps, you know. Yeah. But yet it doesn't, from a deeper sense of reality, it, though that is okay in certain areas of life, but when we want to, as you say, with the car analogy, right now we want to be able to think in sync with, an emerging new world reality, right? A new world, not to right. use whatever baggage people have on that term. But the idea is to be able to think in sync with the nature of reality at the cutting edge of knowledge today and to become masterful with our own minds because that's the basis of it and the faculties of mind. So when you are looking at that, you can't be stuck in those fixed, limited, you know, ways, but you can still use it. Oh, I need to make an analysis here, right? You're a lawyer. Sometimes you need ordinary logic to look at, I'm sure, the, the elements of a case. But then what happens is you're integrating that with your intuitive knowing, with, let's say, a higher level of knowing, another dimension of knowing. That's the level where we want to be operating today. So it's that both and. Oh, but when you can make these distinctions, that's when you're able to become effective. And I use, you know, an analogy I use because I'm a tennis player. It's like anybody or a photographer, right? Everybody's a photographer today. Everybody has right. a cell phone. Right, even me, right. But that doesn't make you a photographer. Right. I was a professional photographer, award-winning, as I like to brag, <laughs> but for years in an earlier accidental career along the way, as I call it. But it's like, you know, being able to pick up a tennis racket and hit a ball or pick up a cell phone and take a picture, does not a photographer make. There, there are distinctions of every condition, of every profession, that when you learn these distinctions, or as my husband and business partner Alan says, you know, the difference between just someone who's ordin or, not ordinary, but, you know, a normal kind of thing, person, and the master is that the master has many more distinctions for their art form, whatever that is, whatever makes you a great lawyer. The more refined you make your distinctions, you create yourself, that you bring what is a distinction come into your awareness in such a way that it alters your experience and what emanates uh, from your life from that point. It's that when you are able to distinction to distinguish the system of thinking, the system of principles that's shaping your thinking, that puts you at actual choice. Okay, 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 let me try this here because I think another way 
to put what you're saying about it's either or or both is transcendence because I think that 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 makes sense to me and it's it's popular in these days at least on my show to talk about an evolving spirit evolving consciousness that it's not just a material world that changes or that is changing or evolving but it's also our understanding of it we're rising to a new way of understanding the world it, let me give an example here where the mechanistic worldview the Newtonian worldview as we know one of the hallmarks and crowning achievements of that worldview is that Newton began to mathematically categorize and describe the physical universe and which is an amazing thing this this clockwork universe working together in harmony and science in many ways is the study of the harmonies of nature when you rise above that a little bit you start figuring out well how are these harmonies possible and that is something that we are coming to terms with more in our modern world where we're starting to understand that maybe maybe the harmonies are there because we want them to be there or because this is the world we want to live in so I'm using that as an example of saying we still want the harmonies we still want this hard this hard ground to stand on but we're coming to a better under a higher understanding of it Right, and, and, the access right, point. Right, right. What I would call the access right, point. Right, right. And then, and and I love, I love your, I love your description of, of this perspective beyond perspectives, which I think is uh, another way that that is expressed is viewing things from the big mind. And I, I think that, I think that that is, is that what you mean when you talk about the, the distinctions when when you look at things from a grander perspective? Yes, exactly. Okay. Because it's like this. I'll give one little other <laughs> sort of to to because what I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, you know, there's the understanding of the principles, and then there's the integrating of it. And so what I mean by taking a quantum leap is in consciousness, is that rather than look at the principles from where you are right now, which is for most people, you know, kind of undifferentiated, right? Right. Of what we're talking about. You know, sometimes you're quantum, sometimes you're, you know, scientific materialism, you know, sometimes you're mechanical, and we're not really making that distinction until this moment, (laughs) (laughs) that um, instead of looking what you do is you look from the principles rather than at them. That's the difference. And when you said about the car, okay, right. or the perspective of all perspectives is the uh, distinction that you're talking about in the quantum thing system. But, you know, when you look at, I just want to say, that is the transcendent uh, distinction. And I want to tell you something that came up, which is, well, two things that came up in the in the last couple of days, you know, one has to do with science and one has to do with religion. But let me say that the perspective of all perspectives, for everyone listening who's not familiar yet with the quantum thing principles, is that you're able to hold a perspective that can view and not necessarily embrace but include any perspective, any and all perspectives, because I talk about this in terms of 
uh, being what is a conscious leader today. And in a sense, we're all being called upon for, you know, to come forth with our own leadership, whether you have a formal position of leadership or not. And, uh, you know, what Alan and my husband and I do is we've been consulting Quantum Think in senior leadership, executives, uh, officials of the United States government, to the uh, entrepreneurs, celebrities, politicians, over the past more than 15 years. So applying this, and this is one of, it's not just some theory I came up with, it's actually this works when you make this shift in consciousness. So one of the things is, you know, the old world view had us, uh, uh, not, it's not even like we're thinking, you know, when you think about something mechanical, mechanistic, in many ways, as I say, not to insult us, Philip, but we became automatic and mechanical too, at that level of our consciousness, of evolution of consciousness. So we have these automatic ways of thinking. Now, one of the ways is the either-or mechanism. You know, the old, well, is energy a particle or a wave, right? Right. Well, now we know it's both. Okay, but before, when the science of that time, where they wanted to predict and control nature, well, to predict and control, to get certainty about life, which we know today, the whole essence of life is its uncertainty. That's what makes it everything possible, right? Infinite possibility universe. But the point is that either-or mechanism, it's almost insidious in in our world, because it's like, Uh, well, should we do it your way? Should we do it my way? Should I think about it this way? Should I think about it that way? So I'll give you these. So the idea of perspective of all perspectives, there's a practice that I call a recreation, a practice for the mind and awareness. Recreate the distinction in your life. It's a simple practice that puts these distinctions into your life, in you, so that you're connecting to that aspect of that principle in yourself, in your own experience, so that it integrates. Because as I started to say, there's a difference. You can understand the principles, but if you're not living it, and that's been my whole mission in life, is to have us go from merely knowing this stuff to actually integrating it. And I developed this methodology to have it happen where you have these, you bring something into your awareness in such a way that it shifts it. So the practice for perspective of all perspectives is to practice consciously non-attachment, to see if you can see the value in any perspective. So let me tell you how this came up. So there's a guy, a wonderful gent, who uh, came across, he actually was given my book by a mystic, by an 83-year-old woman, and he was a Christian minister, and I'm not sure which area of Christianity, for 11 years. And he, but for him, it was, it didn't give the answers that he wanted, let me put it that way. And he was becoming discouraged because he saw how people were in the world where they would, you know, people put themselves up as, you know, these great 
virtuous Christians, and then they're attacking each other left and right, like we see in, in politics. So I say, what if there's nothing wrong with us? What if that was just people stuck in this sort of mechanical way of being, this conceptual way of being, which you don't even realize that you're making these judgments. It's so automatic because we don't have command over an awakened thinking, over awakening our thinking so that we are in that that, uh, transcendence that you're talking about where in your transcendent awareness, at the same time, you can be in your imminent awareness so that you have an awareness of what's coming into your mind. And if it is one of those automatic thoughts, bigotry, whatever it is, fighting to the death on your positionality, then you don't have to be stuck with it. So this is the idea of perspective of all perspectives. So what happened with this guy? is that the other day, so he wrote, he read the quantum thing, he said, you know, you know, it made a huge difference for him, and he's been in con- continuous contact with me and Alan, and he wrote to me the other day, and he said, he reads this Christian blog, and it's kind of in, in, in the area of evangelical, and he said what happened was he saw this debate going on where someone came into the blog like he said it was he calls it the guy an atheist he says it's like he came in he started attacking the bible and quoting all these passages and you know he obviously someone well versed anyway the bottom line of this is our you know the quantum thinking Friend, new friend, which I'm going to call uh, John, okay? okay? That's not his name. But he said, you know, well, how do you deal with this? I said, well, when you deal in a content either-or conversation, content-based, you know, I like abortion, I don't like abortion, you know, then what happens is you don't go anywhere, because you're not in that perspective of all perspectives. What gives us the ability to literally generate a new reality is to be able to create a new context for the conversation from the intent, how can we have this work for everyone? And what he did is he commented, this is true, I just read it this morning, uh, on the blog, and he made that uh, he made that kind of uh, uh, discernment distinction for the initial writer of the blog, who was now attacking right. the atheists, and they're all on there going, "Why don't you go on some other blog where they'll agree <laughs> with you?" I mean, it yeah. was really unbelievable. Yeah. You read yeah. this thing. Sounds like fun. And so, but what happened is he wrote to us because he said, "I did it. I shifted the reality." Because he brought up the context of peace and said, where is this going? And how can we include the value in what this other guy is saying? So that was the perspective of all perspectives in action, in real life. This is what we mean by quantum thinking. It's not positive thinking. It's not covering up a negative assumption and pretending it's not there. Yeah. That it's was, that, literally yeah, yeah, that bringing was, something new in. That was that was that was well that was well put. And and, and um, the way I understand this, and and the beauty of these conversations, 
and it happens with you a lot and with others, but it, it seems as if again and again we come to concepts that are true, but we but we put them in different words, which is always encouraging that uh, maybe there is a, a truth underlying this. But but my my point here is that as you were talking, giving that example about the blogger, I was thinking of empathy, and and the and the concept that it, that if there is a unity of consciousness, and of course I don't think there's any doubt that there is one. And, you know, we could talk about that from the quantum field perspective, or we could talk about that from the spiritual perspective, et cetera, et cetera. But empathy becomes much more important in a, in a quantum world or a, or a divine oneness world because you realize that at the end of the day, you have to, you have to come to a higher level of understanding because you can't just beat up the other person and go home because that person is part of you and so therefore you have to necessarily be reaching a higher level of understanding and and that that's the way I'm looking at that and and that to me is because we all are v- supposed to be viewing things from the grand perspective that is our natural the bottom the bottom line or the ultimate viewpoint we tend to fool ourselves into thinking that we're only these unique egotistical beings but we are both we are both but we have to uh, to me we have to come to terms with the fact that the grand perspective the perspective of all perspective is the at the end of the day the the true perspective and if we all go there then we start reaching the point where we're looking for common ground we're looking for reconciliation instead of ultimate victory Uh. that's exactly it and that's where you go from the either or and you know what you're talking about and you know you're when you say you know we sit we all express it in different terms and people say oh that sounds like that that's like that and of course, I, I always say, of course. Well, universal wisdom is universal wisdom, right. and we're all here to reflect it. You know, one of my teachers, who was the former, uh, he's passed on, the former head of the City Yoga lineage, yoga lineage, and he, you know, he used to say, "This world is a palace of mirrors, where we're always, you know, reflecting the wisdom." to one another or the lack thereof but what you know what I think that and the point you're making about the empathy yes so when I looked at this you know growing up though and I thought well you know we aspire to this wisdom you know unconditional love we are one unity and all this right but we it what's needed now is to actually um, develop the ability to distinguish in ourselves when we're in that mechanistic way of thinking and to realize, you know, what I consider the two most important, um, let's say, the important insights of a quantum worldview, and one we already talked about, and that is there are no absolute, you know, absolutes. It's right. a paradox, because even as we say it, right? right. Yeah. 
well, <laughs> fellow philosopher. I'll get, I'll get over. I'll there get are o- no absolutes, and even that <laughs> statement is an absolute. Yeah, but uh, but if you just take that, there's no fixed reality. There's no solid objectivity to reality. Okay, right. so nothing is fixed. Everything is energy in flux, informed by intelligence, brought into view by an observer, a conscious observer, right? Right. So that's the first principle, is that you have to know whatever thought you have is not, just because you have a thought doesn't make it the truth. Just because you have a belief or an opinion doesn't make it the truth. And this, you know, harkens back to the perspective of all perspective. But the other thing which I think you're pointing to in what you were just speaking about is that the second most important insight and understanding is that we exist in fields. The field is invisible. And so in an old worldview conditioning where we were brought up to look at the particle, to look at the physical, to look at you know what is actually manifest, we're not particularly connected to the fact that we exist in fields and that when you so when we it's not you know and this is earlier i was saying the dynamic of intent if you look at intent as a cause and effect well i created an intention but it didn't happen i wanted this person to be nice but they were still mean you know whatever it was right because intent as I use it, distinct from intention, intention being a goal and intent being an activation of a probability wave field, the activation of the energy intelligent field that will bring about a certain resonance so that you attract whatever is consistent with that new resonance, with that frequency range. This is what, as human observers, as thinkers, as creators of conscious intent that we're able to do. So what happens is it's a, it's, it's a, there are quantum, you know, the field effect, we could say a quantum effect, many results, because you've shifted the whole resonance when you do this, but you do it when you interrupt that, what I call in, from quantum thing, least action pathway, the least creative action, the least conscious action, the least creative action, the most mechanical action. And when you think, see your thoughts that way, oh, that's just, I, I blame it on the old worldview. Oh, that's just a vestige of an earlier stage of evolution of yeah. consciousness. Yeah where we became, have all these automatic thoughts. And not only that, I really, and I don't know whether I've discussed this with you on the air before, but I really see this importance of the field, because when we say spirit spoke to us, God spoke to us, however you would say it, and I know that this is a mind, M-I-N-D, field, and so we're picking up thought waves, we are picking up thoughts that aren't even ours. So a lot of these least action pathway thoughts, what you were saying, Philip, about, you know, we identify with ourselves as this limited, you could say, small self, the identity 
right. the roles we play or the predominant ways that we think, that now the, the true awakening is to be able to see that in, in a quantum think system, this is the distinction, being centered by becoming the watcher, so that you're, you're seeing your identity and the identity of others, and I say, appreciate it. And this, I have a line in there. The master says, you know, life is like a movie. It's like watch. It's like entertainment, like watching a movie, so that you can fully appreciate the idiosyncrasies, the quirks of other people, their personality traits. It's like, you know, what you said, empathy or unconditional love. And you just appreciate, okay, they have this, you know, she's like a, you know, a pushy little girl, ma'am. I'm talking about myself now. Then, no. you know, it's like, do I hate her for that or do I reject her for that? No, it's like, let's look at the essence yeah, of it, each of us. Yeah, this, this is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Again, I'm happy to be talking with Diane Collins, the author of Do You Quantum Think? And we're sort of unwrapping uh, this concept of quantum thinking and changing the way we view the world so that we could master it. And I want to say a couple of things here that, you know, we all, it's funny, a couple of times on the show, you've already said you've thought about things this morning, last couple of days, and, and the same thing happens to me where these ideas just pop in. And, and I've been giving a lot of thought to this concept of the invisible field and vibrations intent and all this stuff that we talk about in this area uh, I think the last I think two of the last three guests I've had on the show have used the word vibration to uh, describe ultimate reality and it sounds so weird in our mechanistic mindset I think it's an example of us viewing a concept from a mechanistic perspective you know wow vi you know what you know it sounds so touchy-feely but I it but this is this is where I'm sort of coming in this one. I mean, we don't appreciate that there is a sixth sense. There is another force among the laws of physics. Uh, you know, the the uh, gravity, electromagnetism, et cetera, et cetera. The force is the 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 mental force. <laughs> whether we call it intent, whether we call it desire, or what or energy whatever we're calling it there is another force there has to be another force because otherwise all this stuff we're talking about would not be true and and so even though it's invisible this field is invisible using the five standard senses it's not invisible to all of our senses it is it is visible or sensible by the sixth sense or the or the mind field which i think is a fantastic concept and my analogy or my metaphor would simply be an ocean as if you're drops or or um, embodied fluids in an ocean the the ocean is the field we're little we're like little uh, jellyfish in there <laughs> uh, without trying to uh, you know diminish our our standing too much but but we are we're, we're creatures each of us has an effect on the ocean but we are influenced by the field that we're in so that's the way I'm looking at it. Now, I want to, we're running out of time here fast, but there's something that is so important that you've talked about and I want to touch upon here, and that is the automatic thinking. 
in that we don't, I mean, to me, this is really the problem because so much, so many of us, we have this default way of looking at things that it's sort of the of course way of looking at things. This is the way it's always been done. This is the way you're supposed to do it. Example, many of us in the professional world and elsewhere, we're all encouraged to give the charities. And uh, at my firm, for example, we had the Heart Walk recently. And it's sort of, it's sort of like a, a, a crime not to give to charities, particularly for, for physical ailments. And it, it is a, it's great to give to charities. The problem is, is that the charities are spending the money on, on, the, on the mechanistic cures. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and, and that, that, right. that, is, that is something that is, you know, I, I just got done reading a book um, by my guest next, I think next week, Dawson Church. It's called The Genie in Your Genes. And if we were spending as much effort on whether it's energy healing or whether it's quantum thinking or whether it's new world, you know, opening up minds. I, I mean, now then we would see a change in the automatic thinking. That's think. exactly right. And it's so interesting you brought that up about the, contra- the contributions because when I get, I like to give money to things. And <laughs> maybe too much, much to my husband's chagrin. But. <laughs> Uh, when I know it's a mechanistic cure, what you just said, yeah. I don't give. Yeah. And it can be, you know, I don't even want to mention which ones. Like, really popular, like, everybody's giving to this thing. And yeah. I just say to them, you know, I don't believe in that, lo- in that method of cure. Right. And I don't give my money there. And it's not that I don't want to help those people, or it's not that I don't think maybe some of it does help the people. I'm certainly not familiar with every everything. But I think the important part of what you're saying, and, and I, I am familiar with Dawson Church's work, too. He's wonderful. That uh, this is why quantum think as a system of thinking, it's like a new container for thinking. And it does shift everything because here's an exa- here's another example that i read in the huffington post yesterday this article by uh, a quantum physicist a woman who called herself a filipino quantum physicist and her problem was with the use of quantum quantum healing quantum farming quantum this quantum that and right. she was saying you know okay she's none of she's not a healer she's not a farmer and she was writing to up-and-coming quantum physicists that she really didn't think the term should be used so I started thinking about that this this totally relates to what we're talking about right now because our system of thinking not only shapes what we think it shapes what we're able to think yeah so this is why all this is considered, um, you know, or you call it happy thinking or la-la or new age or whatever, however people refer to it, because the fact is, here's a quantum physicist who's probably, you know, a highly intelligent, good lady, and what made me, and she was unable to make the distinction, which I'm going to make right now, which is there's the quantum reality, the nature of the quantum reality, then there's the application 
of those operating principles, because that's all it is, is discovering the operating principles of the universe that are already there waiting for us or scientists or somebody to discover it, whether it's a Vedantic person or whatever in science of mind. But what happens, Philip, is that that's where we collapse these distinctions. We confuse them because I was thinking there's the quantum reality and how it works. Then there's the application of those principles to science. Right. That's its own domain. Then there's the application of those principles to healing. Then there's the application of those principles to thinking. Now, my thing is, of course, the application of those quantum discoveries of how we can now proactively shape the way we think. Because the automatic conditioning of the old world mechanistic worldview, you know, which I, in another chapter, say maybe we projected that worldview because that was our, you know, mechanical level of evolution at that point. It doesn't matter. It's just a switch around. But the point is to be able to catch yourself and realize that we are automatically approaching health from the standpoint of physical, where energy healing or any of these other, you know, multidimensional healing, it's one of the principles in quantum think, multidimensional universe, multidimensional being, which specifically addresses this, is that when we have something go wrong with us, and I heard one of your shows the other day with uh, Patty Conklin, where she was talking about being vibrational, it's like, Will the least action pathway of the medical culture, we will automatically go to the physical because that's what we're familiar with. Right. But when you start to be quantum thinking, you realize, well, wait a minute. What's the spiritual source of this disease? What's the energetic, the emotional source of it? And you start to look in different ways so you're not rejecting the physical allopathic Western medicine, which we know has a very important place, but you're not automatically going to it. And right. I think this is really, you know, kind of where we could end end up, in, you know, as a good point to go forward <laughs> in the conversation, yeah. is that we're talking about awakening our thinking beyond the automatic conditioning, the least action pathways of the default, what you call the default point of view, so that we can be at choice in what we're creating now, and secondly, to learn to become adept and adroit with the principles of creation, with understanding ourselves as vibrational beings, with understanding the five faculties of mind and how to use them, as you say, the sixth sense of being able to become adept with that so that we can masterfully create and co-create our world and our lives going forward. Yeah, that's 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 very well put and uh an hour has gone back in light speed uh talking about multidimensional uh sometimes time moves faster than um than you anticipate so we just experienced it here. Uh Again, Diane, I always enjoy talking with you. Uh, the conversation did move incredibly fast. The one, the one point I want to um, underline, uh, your, your closing there, 
is that this is really, I think, the first step towards a real new worldview, and that means changing the way we think, uh, as Diane said, to go for the perspective of all perspectives. Uh, she calls it quantum think, and she, as I said earlier, she's a, a leader in developing this idea. Her book, Do You Quantum Think?, really is a lot of fun to read because she mixes anecdotes, practical tips, um, quotes from leading thinkers throughout the ages with some also a lot of original thinking. And ultimately, this is something we're, we're going to have to do because unless we align our thinking with the way the world really works, we're never really going to be able to master our circumstances. And Diane, why don't you quickly give the listeners a couple little points on how to learn more about you in your website. Okay, great. My website is diannecollins.com. It's Diane with two N's, very important, D-I-A-N-N-E-C-O-L-L-I-N-S. And there are videos there, audios. Um, there is information about my book. And there's also the 10 quantum think distinctions that I call the core distinctions of the 21, which is on Amazon as an audio program, Quantum Think Audio Coach. I wanted to mention that because that is the easiest, quickest way to integrate uh, this so that you're living and seeing from the principles rather than looking at them. And uh, this is what people find. It, it, it's, in, it's instantaneous. But I had to say one close. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Two, two quick things. One is that a really easy practice I like to leave people with, then you have to do this as a conscious act of mind deliberately, is to listen from not knowing. So we're always listening from knowing because otherwise we couldn't survive. We all have experience and success and knowledge. And, but when you consciously listen from not knowing to a situation, to the news, to your partner, to yourself, things literally bubble up from the quantum field, from that ocean of consciousness that you said. So that's a real quick practice. And one other thing, because I had to say this to you in response to what you were saying before about the six, there's a sixth sense mental, is that a quote came to me, which is in uh, the uh, Eastern literature, and I think it's, uh, it's Lord Krishna or something talking to Arjuna, that's what it is, in the Bhagavad Gita, and he says, and they say there are not five senses, there are eleven senses, mm -hmm. but he says, among the senses, I am the mind. So I thought that yeah, really yeah. <laughs> wrapped yeah. up what you were saying. Yeah. Among all the senses, I am the mind. It's like the Buddha. Yeah. All is mind. Yeah. Yeah. That that's great. And uh, there's so there there's so much here that we could go on for hours. But once again, Diane, I thank you. Very, <laughs> I know, thank you very much for your time. This is Philip Camella again. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. As I said, next week I'll have da uh, Dawson Church. Uh, on the show, the author of The Genie and Your Genes, and we'll get into epigenetics and energy healing and all that. But once again, Diane, always a pleasure talking to you. We'll Such see an you. honor. Thank you so much, Philip. Okay, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camilla. 
To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.